One of my great privileges as the pastor here is being over the missions department. Uh, we have a wonderful missions committee. Uh, Paul Scott is the chair of our committee right now, and uh, we've been working hard to put things together for next weekend. So, again, just a plug for that missions weekend next weekend. Uh, but one of the things I get to do is a lot of interaction and contact with our missionaries that we have. And, uh, and one of my goals in the next few years is to get around to each of our missionaries in the field to see them firsthand in their, in their field where they're at, uh, what they're doing, and, and how we can better pray for them, how we can better support them and encourage them that way. Well, I got the privilege, obviously, to get to go with Tom and Heidi back when they were here. Uh, at their request for us to send a team to help them with their missions conference where people, uh, missionaries from all around Nigeria come in and we would run the kids program. So we had a a team of nine, eight other people and myself, they got to go. So what we're going to do this morning is in a moment, I'm going to invite the team up on the platform and they're going to share with you uh, how God used them uh, and a little bit about the trip. And then I got some slides to try to bring that home. And then with the remaining time, we're going to open God's Word and, and tie these together with a thread. Um, so I'm going to invite the team to come up first at this time. So guys, while you're making your way up, uh, I got to say, um, it was such a privilege to have this group of people together. Uh, one, of, one of my goals in the team was for everybody to feel a little bit of the weight of ministry. Um, this wasn't a fun trip. This was a ministry trip, and everybody needed to feel some of the weight of that and responsibility, and uh, and they all did. And everybody stepped up, and everybody uh, just meshed very well together and covered for each other and helped each other and encouraged one another. And as, as Mandy would say, no fussing. <laughs> so Mandy, come and share, please. Um, I want to read a couple verses from 1 Peter chapter 4. These are verses that I shared when I had an opportunity to do devotions in the morning with our group. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to have gotten to go to Nigeria. And the purpose of our trip was to go and minister to the children, the MKs, missionary kids, who are in Nigeria. Every year they come together in January at a beautiful place called the Miango Rest Home. And this is a place that um, is has been preserved in the middle of all the desolation in Nigeria. There are beautiful trees and plants and flowers and beautiful accommodations. And this um, Miango Rest Home was started in 1910 as a place for missionaries to go for rest and respite care and health care when they were sick because in those days missionaries couldn't go home. So this place has been preserved and the missionaries, uh, the SIM missionaries come together there every January for a conference. So our our purpose was to minister to the kids. And um, I worked with the elementary age children and uh, we had, um, I don't remember about 15 or so children that we ministered to and these kids live very isolated lives and it's such a treat for them to come together with their friends their other MK friends who are there in Nigeria and to be together and Anne did a wonderful job of organizing everything and we just showed up and put in place everything that she had prepared and um, things as simple as coloring with nice sharp crayons they don't ever have an opportunity to get nice crayons pool noodles they loved 
And um, we just had a great time with them. And I'm just thankful how God chooses to use us and chooses to use our spiritual gifts to meet the needs of others. And God used our spiritual gifts on this trip to minister to not only kids at orphanages, but also to the MKs there in Nigeria. I um, got, was pleased to be able to work with the teens, and I provided um, served them breakfast which usually consisted of um, sugared cereals or Pop-Tarts. And um, they have a, have a motto, uh, in essence, in life that I saw that um, when you have lemons, you can make lemonade because the Pop-Tarts got crushed in the travels. And so they pulled out a bowl and they put their powdered milk on the, on the Pop-Tarts with um, water and they had Pop-Tart cereal. <laughs> so very creative. And um, I... Um, and, and was pleased to go with the, the team. It was a great team. We all got to use our gifts. And I encourage anyone who has an inkling of going on a missions trip to do it, you will find out how God has truly blessed this nation. And um, so I encourage that. I also want to thank the church family for giving me the opportunity to, to serve. I'm Sarah. Um... I don't like stepping out of my comfort zone. And this trip was a giant step out of that zone, um, so much so that I thought of not going. And I thought my ticket out would be my manager not giving me off. So I went to her, and I asked. And she didn't hesitate or anything. She goes, I think we can make an exception for you to have off. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to Nigeria now. Um, and it, it was very good. I got pushed, um, and it was very encouraging. Um, it was a blessing, again, to be with everyone I knew. And just the encouragement and having fun with the kids, coloring or doing a puppet show for them. It was a really good experience, and I wouldn't mind going again. Uh, my name is Sam Yeager. The only reason I share that is when you actually... Look at the pictures. Um, he'll mention my name again and um, and again and again okay. and again. Um, obviously, by my dress. And for those of you who know me, I'm very outgoing, gregarious, obnoxious at times. I'll admit to that. Um, but this trip uh, really was a challenge for me. Um, I was given the honor and the privilege to be Pastor Everett's right-hand man for the teen section. I was um, given the opportunity to teach three of the lessons, to come up with my own lessons plans, and just be able to teach while we were there, um, something that I truly enjoy. And I can just remember sitting at my house, all my materials, all over my dining room table, putting together these lesson plans, hoping that when I was done and I finally showed them to Pastor Everett when we got to Nigeria, he wasn't going to take a gigantic red magic marker out and then draw a big X on it and say, no, no, start over. So luckily that wasn't the case. Um, and just throughout the week that we got to spend with the teens and just the week that we spent in the, the two weeks that we spent in the country, just seeing the sacrifices these missionaries make um, day in and day out, the regiment of their lives. I mean, it truly is monotony at its best it's the same thing over and over and over again you know these uh, teens you know their friends leave the field they're thousands of miles from home you know they have no other family besides the the family that's there 
So just the sacrifices that they make and the, the amount of work that they do um, in God's name to advance his kingdom is just something that struck me and something that as we support them, as we pray for them, um, we just need to remember. Hi, my name is Abby Main. Um, it was a great privilege to be able to go to Nigeria, especially with the team. Um, it was such a blessing to be able to go back to Africa and visit orphanages um, in Nigeria and be able to interact with the kids and just love on them because they don't get that very often. Um, it's rare to have people overseas come over and see them and spend time with them and give them attention. So it was, it was such a blessing to be able to do that. Um, and it always tugs at my heart to go and visit African orphanages and be welcomed by their smiling faces and them wanting to sing us a song that they're so proud of. Um, one child that really stood out to me was this little girl with her little pink hat that it was in the middle of you know 90 degree weather and she was wearing this winter hat but it was her favorite thing in the world and at the end of each of our programs you know we did puppets we did crafts at the end of each program we gave them each a little dollar store toy that they could put together and play with for a little bit and they, they absolutely loved that they loved being able to put the little pieces together and play with it at the end and this particular little girl was so excited for this treasure that she had, this little dollar store toy that she ran up, she jumped on my lap, and she wanted me to help her put it together. She was so excited to be able to show this to me. And it was, it was heartbreaking to me to see that, that she just wanted attention. She wanted so much for me to play with her with it. And at the end, her house mom, the person who's over her group, her age, um, came up to me and told me that, she had just come from a very abusive home, and she didn't get very much attention. She didn't get very much love. And so she told me to pray for this little girl, to remember her, that she'll grow up and she'll be able to adjust to her new life at the orphanage. And it, um, it was a good experience for me, and it was, it was very heartbreaking to see some of these kids over there. But at the same time, this little girl is what keeps bringing me back to Africa. And um, I strongly encourage short-term mission trips. They're a great experience to have. And I thank you all for your support. Uh, as you can see, a lot of things being said about the team. And I certainly will echo all that again, uh, team. But uh, obviously for me, the extra special uh, that I got to do this particular trip with my wife, who, by the way, is a master organizer, and anything that looks good on me is because of her. <laughs> and my daughter, uh, and, uh, and her Yahoo. <laughs> and I, when I got to preach, um, uh, I got to introduce my family, and I introduced my daughter, and I introduced her fiance, and they stood up, and when he stood up, and they looked identical in their outfits, they just loved that over there, it was so funny. So like he said, my name is Megan Bakcher. Um, I had the privilege, along with many other team members, to work with the teenagers during the missions conference. Um, as many of you know me and uh, know that I've worked with the little kids for most of my life, I have a lot of experience working with little kids, not so much teenagers. Um, so it was really cool to see how God equipped me this past summer through my internship at FPC, um, just working with the different teenage staffers 
for every single camp during the summer. Um, the teenagers that just volunteered their time to help us prepare for those camps, as well as Teen Week and multiple other interactions. Um, so it was really cool to see how God equipped me this past summer through FBC for this trip, um, and I'm sure for multiple other occasions to come. Um, another thing that was really cool to see God just opening the door, um, going into it, we were all a little apprehensive um, sharing the gospel with missions kids. Um, they've heard the gospel. Their parents go out. That's their job, to spread the gospel. Um, so it was really cool to see the very first night, one of the older teenage boys um, approached my dad after the first message was shared, and he blatantly said, I'm not a Christian. Um, and he also proceeded to tell us that he was going to make a decision for the direction of his life based on the messages he was going to hear this week. Um, so dad and Sam, no pressure. Um, but they did great. And um, so it was really cool to have that ministry opportunity just present itself right off the bat, um, especially when we were a little hesitant about um, how much ministering we can really do to them. Um, so that was really cool to see. God just opened my eyes in that way, and I'm sure the eyes of our team members here. Um, another privilege I was able to get, along with Abby and Sarah, um, we actually spent the night with the teenage girls in their house. Um, so we got to basically have a sleepover like every night. It was great. Um, so it was cool to, just to hear their story, hear where they come from and the, the different struggles that they might be facing as a missionary kid. Um, and be able to just impact them as well as them impact us. So thank you for allowing us to go. Hello, I'm George Settle, also known as Yahoo. Um, whenever we were at the church and, and Pastor Everett was, was preaching, um, we stood up and I guess the, the rest of the congregation assumed that we were already married, but he wanted to make sure that they knew that we were not official yet. Yes. And so he, he was very, very clear about that, um, which I, I'm sure they all appreciated as well. Um, but uh, I went on this trip and I knew what we were going to do. We were going to be doing VBS-oriented type of stuff. And um, I've been on many missions trips uh, over the years, and, but generally it's, it's not vbs um, uh, maybe children focus necessarily. Mainly it's build it, um, break it down, uh, type of labor intensive things. Um, and so whenever going into this, I knew this is going to be a, a big challenge, um, a very stretching point, uh, a, a comfort zone that um, I hadn't quite obtained yet. Um, and through the entire time that I was there, um, I was out of my comfort zone, jumping into different things that um, just was was very uncomfortable to me. Um, I was working with the elementary school kids at the conference center. Um, I, I'm a lot more familiar with uh, youth group type of kids, but this was uh, even something very, very beyond me. And uh, um, I was very uncomfortable, but the Lord, you know, the Lord said, you need to go, you need to do this. And uh, so whenever the Lord says, do this, you better do it. Um, and so I was there, and uh, the thing I think the Lord had me there specifically for was for this one little boy. Um, he was uh, m mentally handicapped, and uh, that's one thing that I, I am very familiar with. I've worked with uh, a number of uh, mentally handicapped individuals, and um, my brother is, is one of them. And, and you know, it's, it's uh, something that I am familiar with, and I was able to be a help in that way, and come alongside him and make his week as best it could possibly be. And it was a blessing to him, it was a blessing to my team, and it was a blessing to also his, uh, his family. Um, 
So the Lord was able to use uh, me for just simply saying yes, and sometimes that's all we need to do. We just need to say yes um, to whenever he says do this. Yes, that's a great lead-in. Um, you know, it is about being just available to God and for letting Him use you as He sees fit, um, being open and, and willing to be used. Um, in fact, I've held to very strongly that if He calls you, He equips you. And we saw that all week with this team. Um, God just knew exactly there was no small task, no large task. We just all jumped in. We were able to cover each other's back and work seamlessly as a team. So, you know, that in and of itself was such a blessing. Um, you're going to see in the slides in a minute some of the orphanages we went to. And uh, one thing that I wanted to share that impacted me was the very first orphanage we went to, um, they were so excited to have us there, and they brought out seats, and they wanted to honor us by letting the kids sing some songs that they knew and then share some scripture. They, they knew large portions of scripture. And um, one of the songs that the kids sang was, God is my provider. And I'm sitting there in the chair, and I'm looking around at the dirt gravel floor I'm looking at the broken down building I'm I, we had just toured through I saw their you know thin mattresses and yet these kids are boldly singing God is my provider and it was so amazing to hear but I but part of me was sitting there going but what you know this doesn't make sense and it was really neat how God started me off at that point in the beginning of the two weeks and then as the two weeks went he clearly showed me over and over how he was our provider and he was not not a provider according to American standards. They didn't need Walmart and they didn't need, you know, the housing and things that we had. He was clearly providing their every need. And we saw that with ourselves. Like he provided water every time we needed water. He provided the strength. He provided rest. He provided camaraderie. He provided all kinds of things for us over and over. And so that was really neat. Um, so I want to encourage you that like... God has given you so much, and a lot of it is even just your talents and your experiences that you already have and that you are already maybe working in your job or in your home. And right before I left Nigeria, Heidi Jesserin had moved into a new position with Sims Ministry, and that's personnel director. So she wanted to make sure to get into my hand a large copy of many jobs that, that somebody could come and minister in Nigeria. But what is so exciting about this is... She has on here everything from something that is less than a year, like a few months to come and do, to two plus years. Um, and what I also thought was neat was I was retyping this, and there are jobs there that many of you already are doing. Things like teachers, working in agriculture, medical, business, IT, evangelism, or some of it just has to do with having a compassionate heart for widows and orphans. Um, there is a wide variety of opportunities here on this paper that she gave me. I have copies of this, and I want to make it available that, you know, just for you to pray and consider. If you have any inkling of, man, I could maybe go a couple months and do something in Nigeria, or maybe God's calling you to something longer. Uh, Heidi's email and information is at the top, so should you be interested... Um, you can always contact her and get more information on the position. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I came back and I shared that here with our family um, at FBC. That if you feel like, you know, God is tugging at you to maybe do something, um, here are some opportunities. So, thank you. Thank you.
To give you a little bit more of a idea of the trip, of course, it helps to show some pictures and slides. Uh, you just were introduced to our team, but there's a picture of our team, and uh, there was nine of us, but then also traveling out, we were able to travel with Tom and Heidi leaving here to go over, so there was 11 of us total. Uh, you're allowed two bags on the airline, so everybody got one bag, and then one bag was used for our ministry. So we had 22 bags that we had to uh, pack up and uh, then load into the church vehicle and get to the airport really early. Really, That was actually Thursday night, so that was the evening flight out. Um, and then get on the plane forever. And uh, I don't know, we, we flew to Turkey from, from Dallas. We flew to Turkey. Um, that, I think, was about an 11-hour plus or minus flight. Um, and then in Turkey, we had like an hour and a half layover, got on another plane, and that was like a six to seven hour flight to where we finally landed in, uh, in Africa, uh, in Nigeria, and at that time, that was about 1 a.m. Saturday morning. So we left here Thursday night and arrived there Saturday morning. It's a six-hour time difference. So lots of air flight travel, and we're still not at our destination yet. But because it's late at night, we stayed the night at a little Catholic hostel. Nice little clean place, basic accommodations. And uh, we get there. We basically get our bags thrown into the room, and all the power goes off. <laughs> and it's pitch black dark trying to get everything situated. Uh, but, you know, we were able to, uh, to, to get a few hours of sleep and then had to get up in the morning to uh, head out. And, of course, it's amazing to me how the young people have so much more energy than the older ones of us. Um, so in the morning we got together, we had breakfast and then headed out, jumped in the bus. Uh, our accommodations uh, for getting around Nigeria and actually we had two buses there because of all the luggage that we had to tote from the airport out. Um, and then we used this bus most of the week for our travel. And it was another six hour bus ride from here to get to Joss, where we were going. And uh, right away we saw God's provision and, uh, and care for us in this trip and how he provides in that about three hours into the trip, uh, one of the vehicles began to have some issues and it started leaking oil massively not to where we could continue um, so they're stopping and they're looking and you got to realize that we're on these dirt roads and there's these little huts here and there uh, not a lot around you know there's all no auto parts store and uh, and the one bus driver says well there's usually a roadside mechanic up here and I'm like sure there is so we take this 10-minute detour get the car nursed over to this area where this roadside mechanic is we pull into this hut and outside of the hut are like these three old cars that have been there for 50 plus years, uh, missing tires, hoods up, parts ripped off of them. Uh, so that was the auto guy. And, uh, and he comes out and sure enough, he's there and he starts to take around, taking a look under the hood. Next thing you know, the front end of the car is coming off as he's ripping all these parts off the front of the car. And we're going, oh boy. So... So we get out and we're having fun with some of the neighborhood kids that obviously wanted to come and see all these white people that were there. And, uh, and it was the, the team just gelled great because we didn't care about the delay. Nobody was upset. We were having fun. And uh, so finally he gets the front end ripped up hard enough to where he can get to where the oil pump is and this line, this hose off the oil pump that goes up over the frame and back down around and over had a big crack in it. 
So this hose needs to be replaced. Well, if you know about these specialty hoses that are maneuvered like that, it's very difficult to find. Um, and here in America, you know, you'd have to go to the store, order it, and be a week later before you get a part like that. So um, I'm thinking duct tape. <laughs> duct tape fixes anything. We've got duct tape. We got, we'll wrap this thing up, and we'll be able to get there. But no, no, no. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he goes trotting off over behind the building, and three, four minutes later, he comes back with the hose to fit that car. <laughs> I had to pick my mouth up off the floor. I could not believe it. So then he goes to work and puts everything back together and we're off again. So that's God's provision right there. I said, there, you know, that would never have happened even in America, let alone we're out in the middle of very little and they had the right part. So we get to where we're going and so the six hour trip became like a 10 hour trip. Um, and this is now Saturday supper time and this is New Year's Eve. So then after supper, Tom and Heidi just invite us over to their house because we needed some just downtime from all of the travel. You can imagine how we were filming, but it's New Year's Eve, so we wanted to have some fun. So we went over to Tom and Heidi's and played some games. We got to see their house, which was really kind of neat. And then uh, she made this balloon that had 2017 to bring in the New Year. We're all excited about New Year's. And my wife says, but we can't watch the New York ball drop. What are we going to do? So, Sam as I will mention his name many times. Uh, for those who don't know, he, is, he has a prosthetic leg. He has one leg and, and the other one's been removed. So we took off his leg and we hung it from the ceiling fan and counted down from 10 and dropped his leg for our New Year's Eve. Put a, put a whole new connotation to go drop a leg. So we had a lot of fun Saturday night. Sunday, of course, being New Year's Day was... Uh, Sunday to go to church, so we got ready to go to church, and Tom wanted to, uh, Tom Jesser wanted to ease us into the culture, so we went to Sims Headquarters Church, which speaks English and has a very traditional service, uh, not far different from what we do here, so we uh, enjoyed a Sunday morning worship time uh, with a lot of the missionaries. These were our accommodations in Joss. Um, again, basic, but very clean, very nice uh, accommodations, air-conditioned. Um, so we were, we were blessed to have uh, all of that uh, running water. Could not drink that water, but uh, they had drinkable water there for us. And then Monday uh, was our first ministry day. Sunday afternoon, we did some prep getting ready for our ministries. And then su Monday morning after breakfast, we headed out to go to the orphans. Monday was orphanage day. Uh, we did two different orphanages on Monday. They have basically four different orphan homes. And the best way I can describe it is this, this particular one is the elementary school orphanage. And there are guys and girls that go to this orphanage, separate dorm areas and all that. Uh, and they go to school right up the road. But out, just outside of this, they had an entry place for the girls. So girls that first come off the street or first get turned over as orphans are assimilated together in a certain place. And when they're ready to be mixed into everybody else and they move over, the guys is a whole different place where they get uh, entered into the system. And then as they get older, the high school have a separate girls home and a guys home as they get older. So that's kind of the four different ones. Um, so then this is the, the road right outside of the orphanage, and that's the school. It's a beautiful school sitting in the middle of nothing, um, but it's amazing what they've been able to do there and the resources that they've poured in. 
But as my wife said, they really want to honor us. They're so excited that we're there. And they prepare a lot of songs and music for us. They put these chairs out in their courtyard for us to have a place of honor to sit. So the first thing that happens is we come and we sit down and, uh, and they entertain us uh, with lots of different singing and songs. And then when they're done with their songs, it's our turn for the program. So we start with some songs. Megan was our song leader. Abby helped her, and they did hand motions and all that. And the kids just loved that kind of stuff. And then we did a, a whole program there with puppets and uh, simple things as doing puzzles and coloring and all that kind of things, but really just loving on the kids. And, uh, and they just loved the attention. And, uh, and we really enjoyed the time there, so much so that at one point I had to tell them they had to stop because we had to go to the next place and nobody wanted to stop so I kind of had to pull them away but then we got in the car to head across town um, to where the older boys home would be so we go to the older boys home um, a little bit rougher some conditions that they have uh, some of their bunks have netting and some of their bunks do not and uh, the netting is very important because malaria is very rampant and so it's very common for them to constantly be struggling having malaria This, uh, these little cubby doors, was the, their, each boy had a space, and that was all they have for their worldly possessions. Uh, whatever fits in that cubby space is what they have, uh, and as you can see, they're pretty broken down as it is. Uh, this, this boy on the left is a really unique story. Um, when he was born into a village, he had some mental handicap issues. And when he was two years old, they decided they didn't want him in the village and the family had to give him up so they took him they didn't want to just kill him so they took him out to the bush and laid him down and left him nine years later some missionaries found him still alive obviously eating whatever he could find including his own fecal matter um, they rescued him nursed him back to a reasonable health. He does still struggle with um, mental conditions. Um, they have a person that's with him full time to help him, um, but just a sweet little boy. And it shows God's value of a person. And through the missionary's work in this boy, I'm sorry, they were able to go back to the village that put him out there and to say what had happened to him and how he has been rescued and how he survived and the love of Christ that's been there. And many people from the village, many of the people that actually voted and put him out have come to know the Lord because of this little boy and what God has done through him. So it's an amazing story. In that picture, he's like 21 years old now. Um, and when they found him, he weighed like 29 pounds, you know, as an 11-year-old about boy. Um, so then they love to do... The same stuff. It was amazing how puzzles, they, you know, they just don't have puzzles. So it took them a while to even understand how to put a puzzle together. We would do the edge right away. They, they didn't understand to do the edge, so it took them quite a while to do puzzles. Even the adult leaders there loved to get in on, on doing that kind of stuff. Um, and the coloring, again, was just a huge thing. They enjoyed the markers and the coloring. Uh, but then uh, Sam and I played soccer. Well, we took up space on the court. <laughs> As the boys just love to dribble right around me and through my legs and show off and, uh, and have me looking funny out there. 
Um, but some of them play volleyball as well, just interacting with the kids. The same things that we would do with teenagers here. And their set of circumstances are different, but their needs are the same. They need the Lord. They need to be loved. They need to be cared for. Uh, and uh, every night then we would come back and uh, have a debrief time. So in the morning we would be together for a devotional time as a team. And each one of us took a different day to do devotions. And then at night we would get together at the supper table and go through a debrief time and uh, about the day and things that had happened. And uh, we wouldn't go out at night um, because it wasn't safe. And, and I understood Nigeria's had lots of issues, especially in the area where Tom and Heidi are with, you know, even shootings and bombings and things like that. But I'd also understood that it kind of calmed down. Uh, so when Tom was telling me it's just not safe, we can't go out at night, I, I probed that a little bit to see, you know, what, what is the issue there? And I was surprised to find out what it is. What he meant by not safe is that, well, of course, there's no street lights and, and no traffic signals and all those things there, uh, no electric at night. But the Nigerians on their cars feel that if you leave the headlights on, it drains your battery and you have to change your battery. So they drive at night with no headlights. So it's just not safe. So it's interesting what I think of as soon as he says not safe and what he means by not safe. Um, but we didn't go out at night because it wasn't safe. And uh, so then we just would play games at night or prepare for the next day. And it was great team building time as well as unwinding from the day. Uh, so then Tuesday is the day that we're going to head over to Miango, which is the spiritual life conference that we're going to do. But we didn't have to be there till the afternoon. So in the morning, this is the market. We went shopping at the market. And one of the things we went shopping for is our garments that we're wearing. Um, but we didn't buy the garments. We bought the fabric. Uh, and this is a fabric shop that we bought the garments. And then uh, Sims and Tom and Heidi work with a, another group that are widows. And these widows, to make ends meet, are being taught to be seamstresses. And this is the place that they go and they teach them uh, how to be seamstresses. So we took our, our garments to them and they measured us. And uh, we piled up all of our material there and left it as we headed to the conference center to pick them up on our way back. Uh, from the conference. So this is Tuesday and we'd be back on Saturday. So we loaded up into the van and off to uh, the Miango Conference Center. And I don't know if I can adequately explain potholes to you. <laughs> I thought I knew what potholes were until I went here. They're driving with the potholes, which will envelop a car. And they drive off the road to one side, across the road to the other side. And they constantly weave you know, a one-mile stretch is like five miles to get there because it's back and forth. And the oncoming traffic is doing the same thing. So it's quite an interesting experience to see who's going to win. And their, their motto is, he with the most guts wins. So uh, they had interesting uh, road conditions. We did uh, eat quite well wherever we were. Uh, lots of rice and different things in the rice. Being with Tom and Heidi, they knew the safe places to take us. And one thing he told me before we went is because when I went to Uganda, everywhere I went, I asked for a Diet Coke, and they would always tell me they have it, and they never did, right? So he promised me, there's Diet Coke. There's lots of Diet Coke. It's a big Coke country. A week before we get there, they put an embargo on Diet Coke. <laughs> you can get all the regular Coke you want, but Diet Coke, uh-uh. Nowhere to be found. 
But there's plenty of water. God provided. He was telling me I didn't need it, I guess. So we went on. Um, and driving's interesting here. One of the things that I did talk about is the dangers there, and it has settled down quite a bit. Uh, they have these K cars, KKs, um, for their taxi services, kind of a three-wheel little cart. doesn't go real fast. And, and uh, one of the things they did, uh, what I'm used to with Africa, is they would have motorcycles for taxis. And you'd ride on the back of the motorcycle, and they could flip through traffic pretty easily that way. Well, the motorcycles were being used for terrorist attacks. They would have a driver and a guy in the back with a gun and do drive-by shootings or throwing package bombs, and then they're on a motorcycle so they could get away um, pretty easily through the bad traffic. So they outlawed motorcycles being taxis in Joss. So uh, they use these KK cars everywhere, and it's done a great job, actually, in reducing some of the terrorist problems that they had to deal with there. Um, it says no standing, of course. So this, to me, depicts Nigeria in that speeding limits, lane usage, turning, any rules are only suggestions. <laughs> this is Mango, pulling in quite different than the rest. It's a beautiful facility. Uh, well-maintained uh, shrubbery. This is looking from the hill down at all the different buildings that they have there and our accommodations there were quite nice. Um, and uh, and then this is the children's side of the conference center where the elementary age kids were um, and there's the pool noodles and they played some games and, and did the puppet shows and uh, then at lunchtime they would take them up to, uh, to the lunch house. They'd have a little break at lunch but right after lunch then they would come back and be with our group until supper. And of course, they, uh, they taught lessons and did skits and uh, uh, snacks and all those types of things, just like we would with our kids in our day camp. Kids are kids, and these kids just don't have as much of those types of experiences as ours do. So it was really neat to see how much they just soaked that in and really appreciated everything that we did um, as they did their program. And then this is the mess hall. All of our meals were served there. We ate with them. Uh, and it was neat there because all the missionaries were there. So we got to also interact with missionaries from all around um, Nigeria at, at those times. And then this is the teen side. Uh, I, I worked with the teen side uh, with our group. And same thing here is kind of more of a retreat idea with the teens because they could either go to the mess hall for breakfast or they'd come to us for breakfast like they we're talking about having their Pop-Tart cereal. Um, and sugary stuff, so that was quite the enticement to them to come to breakfast to get all the sugar stuff. And, uh, and then they would eat lunch up there, but come back, and then we'd have them all night long. So they slept in separate dorms uh, uh, that our, our guys watched and girls watched, and, uh, and they did some crafty, neat stuff. This is crayon art, where we actually took hair dryers and melted the crayon, and uh, they made great creations of it, very creative stuff, and, and just team competitions and great Bible times and challenging of the Word um, and trying to reach their hearts and having some really neat conversations with them. Uh, so it was a great group of teens. But then, of course, uh, the teen conference ended, and, uh, and then it was time for us to head back. And the first thing we get to do is go pick up our outfits. Uh, so Sam, Mr. Mr. GQ, is posing for everybody uh, in his nice orange garb. And, uh, and they did all the alterations right there for us. Uh, on the spot, um, the ladies did a fabulous job, and then we were well decked out. This is Saturday night, heading back over to uh, to Joss, where we stayed at the uh, with the Jess friends, and then we went to church with Tom and Heidi. 
uh, on that Sunday to uh, a different church. Now, what I'd say here is to pray for Tom and Heidi. Their responsibility has greatly increased with Sims. Tom has a lot of missionaries under him from all over uh, trying to deal with their issues and what's happening. Uh, Heidi has stepped up to be the personnel director, uh, so a lot of extra responsibilities. But one of the strategies, and, and Nigeria is really a split nation. It's about 50% Christian and about 50% Muslim. And because of that split is one of the reasons there's so much tension, because there's not like a dominant uh, force going on there. But there's like the South is Christian and the North is Muslim. There's almost a clear dividing line. Well, the Sims and Tom are having a strategy to intentionally shift north and start planting more churches north and having missionaries move from the south to the north. And, of course, that's a little more dangerous. And that's uh, trying to take the gospel where people need it, right? Uh, so we need to pray for them for safety and for wisdom and how they minister in those areas and those regions. Um, we went to what's called the House on the Rock Church, or the Church on the Rock, and that is uh, because it's a church built on top of a rock, um, as much as things are. There's a, a classroom. Uh, I believe that's a Sunday school classroom. Uh, I thought at first it was uh, one of the choir groups practicing, but I think that one's actually one of the Sunday school classrooms. And then uh, they did all kinds of fun stuff inside. Their church was kind of a, a, a three-winged area. The platform's up here, and there's a wing that went off to the left, and a wing that went off to the right, and a wing that went straight back. So kind of a T structure. And uh, here they're doing a, uh, a musical and drama reenactment of the story of Job in the morning. Uh, lots of music and fun that way. And I had the privilege of being able to preach there that Sunday. And it's a Hausa church, Hausa language church. So there was an interpreter that I spoke through and uh, and shared the gospel there, which was really a fun thing to get to do. Outside the church, this is looking out oh, back to Joss. So that's the city of Joss that you can see there. Uh, obviously pretty barren, uh, but a neat picture uh, up on the rocks. And uh, then finally, after I preach Sunday, we go to, out to eat and we find a restaurant that had a few bottles of Coke Zero. I thought I almost was in heaven. It was a couple days before we come back, and I, I just say, well, that was God blessing me from preaching that morning. So I'm going to get Diet Coke this afternoon. Um, and then Sunday afternoon, Heidi arranged for our team to take a hike, but she didn't go with us. And it wasn't a hike. It was a rock climb. And this picture does not in any way amply show the height magnitude of what you had to go through. There's that little crevice you had to crawl down in that crevice, come up the other side, wiggle between a couple of stones, get to the top, go across some rocks on the top. Not all of us made it. We dropped a few along the way, me being one of them. But we did have four people make it to the top, Mandy being one. Mandy's a beast. And you got to understand, there was areas where you had to crawl on your belly through these places filled with goat poop. And she did it. She's like, I'm making it to the top. No fussing. So then Monday was our last day in country uh, as we get ready to leave on Tuesday. And Monday was another orphan day. So we did the other two orphanages on Monday. And, uh, and this is the entry level boys home um, here. 
And uh, those are the accommodations for the people that work at the home, uh, right next to the home that they use. And uh, some of the boys uh, at this home so we kind of repeated the same programs at the orphanage. But here, this is the entry level. Uh, they're right downtown. And a lot of these boys come right off the street from downtown. These boys are put out from their Muslim families dedicated to their faith, and they're sent into the cities to panhandle for money, and all the money that they get they take back to the mosque, and they don't get anything to live on or eat, uh, and they have to you know, get people to give them food and stuff like that, and they sleep on the streets. Uh, so they're really put out. It's a really sad situation. So like our hearts were on some of them, they want to give them money. I said, no, don't give them money, because they don't, those kids don't get any of that money. Um, so they're rescuing these kids off the street, uh, feeding them, clothing them, teaching them, um, and sharing Christ with them. And it's just a wonderful ministry to see the love being poured out on some of these kids in the positions that they're in for that. And then we went to our last orphanage was the girls' exit home or their, their high school. And uh, these girls sang for us like the other ones did. And I got to tell you, it was probably one of the most amazing, beautiful voices of girls I've ever heard. I wish I had time to share the, they're singing with you. But it was neat there because we had a little bit more, because there wasn't as many, a little bit more personal interaction, blowing bubbles, making crafts, um, doing some coloring things. We had these dry erase marker boards that we made and took. And then Megan uh, teaches them how to play tic-tac-toe. And they never played tic-tac-toe before, and they just thought that was amazing. And they loved tic-tac-toe, had lots of fun with that. But eventually it was time to say goodbye. So uh, we did have to uh, leave, uh, but not before we celebrated uh, Sarah's birthday, and Heidi made her a cake, and we had a special time there. And I meant to mention earlier, is uh, Abby Maine still in here? All right, it's Abby Maine's birthday today. I meant to embarrass her up front, but I forgot. So if you see Abby, tell her, hey, I heard it's your birthday. Um, and then we went over to Sims headquarters where Tom and Heidi worked. Uh, there's some security bars like that for security getting in. And they took us through their office complex, which was really kind of cool. And then they also took us over to Hillcrest School, which is where the Jesserin kids went to school. A lot of the missionary kids are boarded there and go to school there um, while the parents are away in the different parts. But then, of course, we had to load up our luggage and get back on a plane, take another forever trip home. And, uh, and we arrived back, uh, not the way that we went, but as you see us today, in a little different garb. Uh, so that was our trip in a nutshell. <coughs> and uh, I want to share with you uh, a little passage of scripture that has been playing on my heart from this trip that I want to challenge you with this morning. And it's a, it's a call for intrepidity. Uh, that is a term that Pastor Van used here a year and a half ago when he was doing an overview of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. So I wanted to steal it uh, this morning and use it. Uh, intrepidity is to be bold, to be dauntless, to be courageous, brave. It's that idea of not having fear. You know how fear can grip you and keep you from doing certain things. We see it on different events and, you know, somebody jumping into uh, the water off of a high dive when they're a kid or getting on a roller coaster and there's this fear before you can ever do it um, or, or even more crippling fear of, of situations. But fear can keep us from doing some of the things that we should do. 
And I think, as you even heard from the people that went on the trip, there was some fear of not being good enough or not being able to or not not doing the right thing or knowing the right words or being equipped the right way or looking like a fool or whatever the fear is. But they pushed through and went. And to one of them, they would encourage anybody else to go. And I think a lot of times we don't do things because of fear. So in Matthew chapter 10, picking it up in verse 26 to 33, follow with me as I read. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. It's a neat passage with a lot in it, but I want to concentrate just on three quick points to tie this together this morning. And and you hear those words, fear not, fear not, fear not, three times in that passage. And uh, the first fear not I see, so have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What people do to stifle the gospel, what people do to those who bring the good news, sometimes in secret, Nothing is going to be uh, that will be able to avoid judgment on. One day it will all be revealed and God is going to be the judge. And we know that. We could turn uh, to Luke chapter 12 verse 2. That's a parallel passage of this. Which will really drive that point of this passage home a little bit more. About how it's all going to be revealed and God is judge. And he stands in there. uh, And Jesus is going to reveal that truth. But I want to concentrate a little bit differently. And and then it goes on to say what they say will be revealed and all that. But here, it doesn't say what they. Here, the next verse says, what I, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Well, who is the I? The I here is Jesus. He's teaching to the disciples, preparing them to send them out two by two. On some missionary journeys. So what he's telling them is what I tell you in the dark. Say in the light. We hear me whisper. Shout it out. Because what he is telling them. They first know and the world needs to know. What they're learning from God has to be shared. And he's telling them to share. So what he is telling them. Fear not. He just goes through before this telling them. Look. They're going to hate you. They're going to whip you. They may try to cut off your head. They're going to bring you before the governor and charge you with all kinds of things. They're going to call you some horrible names. These things are going to happen to you. But fear not. Because the gospel is going to prevail. 
no matter what they do to try to stop the gospel, it will not work because God's word will provide, will survive. And so fear not and go forth and share the good news. And then he goes on to say, fear not because man has no power over your soul. Don't fear him who can only hurt you physically. Fear God who has the power over your eternity. And knowing that we have God, we don't have to fear what they can do to us because it's all temporary. So don't fear men and what they might do because they have no real power. And then finally, it says fear not because you have value to God. The sparrows he knows about, the number of hairs on your head. I know it's easier for him to track some of you than others with the number of hairs on your head. But he even knows that, right? I would be afraid to know how many hairs fell out of my head just brushing it this morning. But God knows every one of them. Why is that? What's he saying here? He's saying that he created you the way that you are with the abilities that you have for a purpose. The way that you work and think God did that on purpose. You're not defective. You don't have a problem. You're not invaluable. You're invaluable to God. You don't, you're not without value. Just like our team that was just standing up here. It had different roles that we played. Some were intentionally pushed outside of what they're used to. But I knew they could handle it. Some wasn't even sure that they could do anything. And they were some of the most valuable people that we had. Even Sandy, during the snacks, as Sam said, I can't tell you how much work. She worked harder than anybody on the team just trying to get all the food and the snacks and the breakfast and everything cleaned up and everything done. No clean water. We couldn't wash the dishes in the sink. You know, at that certain water. It was all that stuff. She was constantly running around. And that meant... That we didn't have to worry about that stuff and could concentrate on our lessons and the gospel and the things that we were trying to do. Every member was valuable in different ways. So don't think that you don't have anything to offer to God. Because you have value. The way that he created you to God. And he would find a way to use you if you're willing. If you fear not and step out. To do whatever God would ask you to do. It might be to go get one of those papers from my wife and look at a way that you could serve in Nigeria. It might be to go knock on your neighbor's door and go share the gospel. It might be to go work in an orphanage somewhere in any country. It might be to share the gospel in your backyard. But be willing for whatever God's calling you to do. And don't be afraid of being condemned or ridiculed or any of the other things that the world is going to say. Because they have no power over you. Because you have value of God from God. Because God values you. Fear not and go and share the gospel. Because man has no power over your soul. Fear not and go and share the gospel. Because God's word is going to prevail. Fear not and go and share the gospel. And because of these things, it says to acknowledge me 
before men. Because we have a God worthy of acknowledgement. So don't be ashamed of God. Be willing to be bold. Be willing to step out of your comfort zone. Be willing to put yourself out there for God. Because God is saying, acknowledge me. Don't be afraid. I know there's bad things. But really, I have more power than any of them. And I care about you. And I will not let anything happen unless it's my will and my plan and and you will be richly rewarded. So trust me and do what I've called you to do. So my challenge to you this morning is to fear not and to do what God is calling you to do, which is share the gospel, which is share the good news. Think of somebody that you know that you can share the gospel with. And do it. Don't just think it. Do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the tremendous blessing and opportunity that you gave to the team and myself to go to be a blessing to some missionaries in Africa, to minister to these kids, but to be ministered to and to have our eyes opened and to be filled with more compassion, to be filled with the love that you've given us, to be filled with more boldness. Father, help us in our areas of fear and the things that hold us back from fully serving you the way that we should. When we put ourselves first and put you second or further down. Father, help us keep you first that we will not be ashamed of you, that we will acknowledge you before men. Help us to have no fear of men. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for your good attention. We are dismissed.